Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Queen Pod. We are on a mission to bring you a companion piece to the entire Queen back catalogue, track by track, album by album. And incredibly, the band are very kindly letting us play all their music, which makes us the only podcast on earth with Queen playing all the way through it. However, we do need your support, so if you are in a position to do that, kindly pop over to patreon.com forward slash Pod to find out how. Over to you, Fred. And welcome to the Queen Pod. Yes, hashtag play Queen loud. That's what we love to do. Are you ready to rock? Are you ready to roll? Okay, let's do it. This bugger can sing higher than I can. I tell you, it's Suze Kemper, <laughs> comedian and singer. Hi, hi. Well, a little bit of a nonsense now. It's Queen documentarian Simon <laughs> Lupton. Hello. I'm doing quotes from the band is what I'm doing, so I'm like, from yes. the album we're about. Okay, yeah. uh, well, there's no John Robbins uh, with us today. Are the things you have to do for money, ha-ha. It's another thing <laughs> that Freddie says on this, okay. And it's me, Ro, hey, 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 hello! Again, like he does. Uh, also, producer Sam is here, hello. Hello. That's enough of that. So, we're going to talk about Queen live killers today, aren't we, gang? Uh, this is a very interesting, cool album. It was released in 1979. It was like their first proper uh, live album release. A big double album, two records or two CDs, um, or just a massive wedge of streaming, like however you have it. <laughs> like it is there. It's fat. Uh, I had it on tape, and my God, those tapes are fat. But before we get into how we all are with this wonderful, uh, crazy album, Simon, mm. do you want to give us some context for... The caper that is Live Killers. Yes, I would love to. Now, this is a, a, a rarity for you because it's not often that you hear me saying that Queen got something wrong. Um, <gasps> but for a number of years, the band had been against releasing a live album, which we're hopefully about to discover was a mistake. Um, to them, their live show was as much about what you saw as well as what you heard. So a live album wasn't going to cut it as far as they were concerned. However... 
1978, with demand from the fans showing no signs of letting up, and the record company making the excellent point that the bootleg market was making a killing because there was no official live release, the band finally relented. Um, there would be professional recordings made of their next tour um, with the idea that that would be reviewed uh, at the end to see if a live album would work. The tour in question began in January 1979 and would take in 28 shows across Europe, including for the first time two gigs in what was then Yugoslavia. Worth bearing in mind that their previous North American tour had ended on the 20th of December, so they were on the road again less than a month later for what was their biggest European tour to date. They would then have six weeks to edit the proposed live album before immediately heading out to a 15-date tour of Japan. So they were hard-working boys in those days, weren't they? Um, What's that tour called, the Live Killers Tour, then? It became the the Live Killers Tour, yeah, or Crazy ah. Tour, was then the following one. Some interesting facts about this particular tour. As the tour progressed, no matter where they were in Europe, the front row of each show pretty much contained the same group of English fans. Uh, Freddie dubbed them the royal family and would often hmm. welcome them with a, oh, <laughs> hell, are you lot here again? Um, <laughs> was Jim uh, Jenkins one of those? Uh, yes, I think he probably was, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, a nice fact for Sue's here. Freddie was particularly impressed that they had all started bringing bicycle bells with them to join Yay! in at the appropriate moment. So I imagine, <laughs> Suze, if you'd have been there, you would have been one of them. <laughs> it's really, um, that's really cute. Yeah, I would yeah. have been into that. And actually, if you look at the Live Killers album on the back cover, there is a photograph of them on stage. If you look very carefully at Freddie's piano, there is a bicycle bell on the piano that was given to him by, by some oh, of the fans. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah, which that's used. good information. Yeah, yeah. So you guys, a tiny thing on, on top of a bit of paper on top of the piano. Um, mm. As previously mentioned, Yugoslavia was a new addition to the Queen tour, and in fact, rock shows of this size were a real rarity there. Freddie discovered this during Now I'm Here, which traditionally involved him singing a line and the crowd providing the echo. Upon trying that, Freddie was met with a baffled silence from a crowd unclear what was being asked of them. Uh, never one to shy away from a challenge, dear Freddie persisted and by the end of the show had managed to convert them. Um, I guess if you'd never seen videos or DVDs, because there weren't any at the time of a Queen show and it was the first time, you wouldn't know what to do, I guess. Yeah. At one point on the tour... EMI demonstrated their brilliant ability to make one of their acts feel loved by arranging for a helicopter to fly over the band's hotel trailing a Welcome Queen banner, which they hugely appreciated. Unfortunately, it also demonstrated how to piss your act off, <laughs> as the presence of the helicopter gave away the location of the band's hotel, which was quickly <laughs> surrounded by hundreds of fans chanting their names well into the early morning hours. <laughs> Um, in the end, 19 of the shows were recorded and the band headed to Mountain Studios in Montreux to work with engineer John Etchells to edit it together into a live album. Understandably, it took a long time to listen through all the shows, decide which songs would feature and specifically which performance would be the one to be included. Uh, four songs that were performed regularly on the tour didn't make the final cut. Can anyone guess what they might have been? Little game for Four you. songs, Seven Seas of Rye. No, they didn't do that on that tour, no. Good old-fashioned lover boy. No. <laughs> no, they did shit. Oh, um, uh, It's Late. Yes, very good. It's Late was one. They performed that, but it didn't make the album. Um, Two absolute bangers that you would have thought would be nailed on. Somebody to Love. Yeah. Oh. oh, yeah, Somebody to Love. 
And uh, and I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. Fat Bottom Girls, maybe? Yes, Fat Bottom Girls. Oh, really? Right. Yeah. The only other thing I could think of that it could possibly be would be um, probably If You Can't Beat Them. Perfect. Well done. You win. Well done. Did you find them in the research, Doc? Shut up! (laughs) (laughs) The way that just came out. Genius. Smoke and mirrors, ladies and gentlemen. Smoke and mirrors. Um, An interesting aside, it was at this point that for tax purposes, the band purchased Mountain Studios. Uh, The band liked working there, although for Freddie, he found the idyllic setting on the peaceful shores of Lake Geneva a little too dull for him. Uh, So when asked by resident engineer Dave Richards what he intended to do with the studio, the reply was, throw it in the lake, dear. What do you think? (laughs) Obviously, Freddie's attitude mellowed over the years, and as we know, he ended up living on those very shores later on. Um, But for now, the album is released on June the 22nd, and while it failed to completely change the band's mind about live albums, it was a solid commercial hit, reaching number three in the UK charts and going double platinum in the US. But most importantly, it serves as a glorious reminder of Queen at the very peak of their live powers, as we are about to discover. Cool, that was a good one, Simon. Thank you very much. That was a good one, I thought. There was real shape to it this time. Yeah. That's what I felt. Yeah, season three, and I'm finally getting the hang of it. There you go. You're kind of like, you're doing like little cliffhangers at the end of each one now. I know. It's it's making me salivate. I love it. Now, you mentioned that the album got to number three on the UK album charts. Mm. That was the week beginning the 8th of July, 1979. Would you like to know what was in the charts that week? Oh, yes, we would. Mm. It's just fun, isn't it? It is. I like it. Name the band at number 10, Back to the Bog. (laughs) Who? Wings. I've got a lovely one at number nine, Suze. Yay! Last the whole night long by James Last. Oh, oh. and he did, and it was called Last the whole night. Yeah, long. double meaning. At number eight, Voulez-vous by Abba. Oh, uh, okay. Course. At seven, Breakfast in America by Supertramp. These are big bands in the yeah. charts this week. I like Supertramp. Uh, six, yeah, they're fun, right? At six, uh, I Am by Earth, Wind and Fire. Sure. Uh, at five, Bridges by John Williams, which I am assuming is the John Williams. Yeah. Of. Mm. Star Wars fame. Uh, at number four, Parallel Lines by Blondie. Wow. At number three, Live Killers by Queen, of course, hey. and beating them out. At number two, Replicas by the Tubeway Army. And at number one, Discovery beat by ELO. Ah, wow. hey, big hitters. Yeah. Yeah, really big hitters. Really big hitters. That was, uh, that was the sound of Summer 79. Mm. I loved it. Good, good times, good times to be alive. Very good. Yeah. So, Very so good were year, live albums from acts like Queen in those days? Was that quite a rare thing, or as you say, Simon, were Queen very late to the party? No, live albums were quite, you were quite popular, but mm. more, more with record companies than the, than the bands because the only people that tended to buy them were people who liked the band anyway, sure, and just wanted a memory of a gig they might have seen. Mm. So it was a case of you're just preaching to the converted rather than with a I new see. studio album. You hoped you might get new fans who liked your music. I think it was the fact that the live album could never sound as good as a studio album because of yeah. the recording techniques of the day. Um, yeah. Still now it's hard, but yeah, yeah 40 exactly. years ago. yeah. But the bootleg market was rife and it was a really good way of sort of saying, don't buy a naff mm. bootleg, buy, buy the real thing. Yeah, of course. I think they'd originally planned to release the November 1974 shows at the Rainbow as their first mm, live album. Yes. But uh, that period was considered a bit 
early in the band's infancy. Yeah. Um, so uh, that wasn't released till 2014 in the end. So yeah, Live Killers was the thing that we had. Um, and in fact, on that point that you've just made, Simon, did you know that John Tobler and Stuart Grundy uh, also published that point in their 1983 book, The Guitar Greats? No, I did not. Because they asked Brian May about the album in that book. Mm-hmm. And this is what Brian had to say about it. He said, live albums are inescapable, really. Everyone tells you you have to do them, and when you do, you find that they're very often not of mass appeal, and in the absence of flute condition, you sell your live album to the converted, the people who already know your stuff and come to the concerts. So if you add up the number of people who've seen you over the last few years, that's very roughly the number who buy your live album, unless you have a hit single on it, which we didn't. Maybe we chose the wrong one, which was Love of My Life in England and America. Oh. Okay, that was released as a single, right? There we go. What was your personal... Re- at what point did Live Killers come into your collections, Suze? I didn't have Live Killers till very late. I think I was probably nearly really? 30. But I, I was I was very much a team live at Wembley 86. I had that. Of course. And I had, yeah. uh, I had Rock in Rio. And we had some live um, stuff on VHS. Milton Keynes on VHS. Um didn't get live killers till much later. But, you know, I had this pull-out thing from a magazine that I'd got when I was about 15 that mm. had a ranking of all Queen's albums, and I remember them saying that live killers was the worst one. And so oh, it had really? always been in my head that, like, yeah, they were like, oh, it doesn't capture um, the feel of a Queen gig and the production isn't very good on it. And so in my head, for I carried around with me for years, like, well, live killers isn't very good. <laughs> so I didn't bother right. with it. Right, mm, that's then, interesting. And then finally, I heard it. I was like, "Well, it's Queen live." Like, <laughs> so you, you, but you'd already got all the studio albums by the time you you got. Around yeah, to I think Killers. I'd heard most of the studio. I yeah, it was late, late that yeah, I yeah. heard Life Killers definitely. I mean, Brian and Roger themselves have sort of said, "Well, look, the band mixed the album themselves with mm-hmm. uh, the engineer." Hmm. But they weren't necessarily happy with the final mix themselves, interestingly. And I, I got the sense that Brian is not is a bit cool on right. Killers as an album. It doesn't feel like a gig. It does sound like individual tracks. Yeah. Well, yes, but then it does have, like, long runs of tracks. So. Mm. Well, I have a very different relationship, but I'm curious, because Simon's so much older than the rest of us. I'm curious, because <laughs> yes. he was there when it came out. So, That's right. What, can... what did it mean to you? <laughs> <laughs> I vaguely remember it in my senior years. Yes, um, yes in your late 60s. <laughs> no, I, I, it sort of came into my collection about halfway through, because um, I, I came into Queen sort of mid-80s. Um, sure. And so I think I resisted buying it until I'd recognised nearly all of the songs that were on it. Uh, you know, obviously there's some big hits that you just, you know anyway. But yeah, sort of things, songs like Let Me Entertain You and, you know, um, Get Down, Make Love. At the time, they weren't that familiar to me. So I did then get it. I think I might have delayed buying it because it was probably more expensive than the others because it was a double album. Mm. So I was, I was like, when I was choosing what to buy next, go for something that was uh, cheaper. So it did sort of come about halfway through, but it was a real eye opener. There's a real energy to Queen Live at that time, which I think comes from the fact that they were a band that knew that they were on the verge of going truly global. You know, they they right. they domestically they were well 
sorted. You know, Bohemian Rhapsody had taken them to another level. They'd done that mm. Hyde Park gig three years earlier. So they knew domestically they'd made it and mm. they'd been working hard on America. And of course, this mm. is coming off the back of We Were Rocking With The Champions that had done well there. And, you know, we're about to get um crazy little thing called Love, which, as we know, really Huge started to tip the balance. So I think they sensed they were on the verge of something great. And there's a real hard-working energy to what they're doing. Um, they're kind of trying to push home that advantage, which comes across in the album, which I think is which is great. Yeah, I think that energy is exactly right. All of the tracks on this album are much faster than the... Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, than the studio track. I mean, almost all, I'm sure. I can't say all. But, um, you know, you can just feel that tempo is just driving all the way. Yeah. Um, I've been racking my brains to try and figure out where from my copy of Live Magic... Did, I, I know that I had a copy of Live Magic and a copy of Greatest Hits, and from there I started to collect albums. I suspect my first one would have been a kind of magic because a Live Magic was a big deal to me, and I think maybe the works were probably mm. the first couple of albums I got. But I think that quite early on, because my first Queen album was a live album and a Live Magic and a compilation album at that, Live Killers was something I got quite early on, and it mm. was my introduction to all... Of the 70s, I mean, obviously I had greatest hits, so they're big numbers, yes, I knew them. But all of that stuff, I almost used Live Killers as a as a Bible to help me get into all of the other albums, right? Okay. So I, I remember when I got, like, A Day at the Races, I'd go, oh, these are the tracks that are on Live Killers, right? Mm. Okay, so I get these ones. Do you know what I mean? Um, and the other thing that I really remember distinctly about Live Killers was it was on two cassettes, obviously, Mm. And the second cassette, there's actually only like six songs on the second oh, disc really? or album or whatever. Um, but the t- the tape was so thick, like it was a see-through cassette. And you know, like you get that sort of bundle, like a, an inch worth of tape. Yeah. This thing was like four inches, like it would take right out. To the- I've never seen so much tape in a cassette. Oh, right. Um, and on that second tape, because Brighton Rock was so long on the first side, on the second side, my Walkman could only do stop play and fast forward so i'd have to fast forward for like eight minutes <laughs> to get back to the front of the album because they were so uneven <laughs> that second so i didn't use the second tape that much i think i i listened to the first tape the first mm. um one of these a lot because there's so many tracks on it and they're fast and they were great and then the second one was uh, for special occasions so we normally will go through an album in order, but this is a huge album. There's loads of tracks on it. I think we should just go jump around anywhere. Just go to whichever tracks that we like, pick out the ones that we're big fans of. So, Suze, mm. which of these tracks really leap out for you? Have you have you got one that you're like, okay, I finally got this Live Killers thing. I've seen what it's about. Mm. Quite up for this track here. I was very familiar with 39, and then I heard yeah. Freddie sing it on here. And it's a whole different song. Like, mm. when Brian does it, it's quite ethereal. Uh, and then Freddie does it, and it suddenly has the feel... It's suddenly weirdly matter-of-fact, the song, and it has more of a feel of, like, a raucous pub band, um, yeah. if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it, and it feels... When Freddie's doing it, and the whole band, you know, they're, they're, they're all on it... Um, it kind of feels like a song that's hundreds of years old that's been passed down generations, which is just the difference. Yeah, just the difference like in having Brian's. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that uh, which uh, makes it. Um, 
It felt quite current. You can imagine it being an album track on some folk pop band now uh, with Freddie on vocals. Yeah. Actually, The Guardian described uh, the live performance of that song as a raucous, rollicking sea shanty. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you're right, Freddie just gives it... So- well, let's listen to a little bit of it. I, I like the... What I've done is I've taken a nice fat chunk of it. Uh, I thought we'd listen from the chorus into that sci-fi bit. Oh, yeah, sci-fi. yeah. Sci-fi, it's just... Because their vocals are amazing. Don't you hear my call? Though your many years away Don't you I mean, how do they do it? Roger's got no how does, right how does Roger to reach do that? that note, has he? <laughs> Live <laughs> on stage, halfway through a gig, reaching that <laughs> note is insane. <laughs> While he's tapping away with yeah, a, yeah jumping away. He's got. Is he walking about at this stage with a tambourine? No, or something, he, he, or is he's he... got a tambourine, but he's also got the um, kick drum kick on jam. the floor, so he's mm. stood thumping that oh, with his okay. foot and. Bang the tambourine. It's brilliant. It's so such clever, such clever use of what they had. They knew they had three voices, and yeah. they the whatever the arrangement that they've agreed on beforehand is just perfect. Live, it's amazing. Yeah. There's no click track or anything. Freddie is holding that perfectly with Roger. Yeah, and then I think Brian might be there for some of it. Just yeah, Brian's in there. Yeah, he and they they've got some really complex swoops. Where they go, they're sliding through notes, but they somehow do it all together. That's really yeah, hard to do. Totally in unison, um, and just creates a live sound that you don't get from other bands. I think that's a great shout. Thirty Nine is gorgeous, and of course, Thirty Nine has has got a huge tradition live as well. You know, I think George Michael really mm. brought that song into the mainstream. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of those. It's, it's, it's like Stone Cold Crazy and tracks like that. It's another one of those Queen songs that are unofficially big hits. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful, beautiful pick. Um, yeah, Simon, what what, uh, what track do you tend to... What's your first thing that you look forward to listening to when you get um, Live Killers going? I'm not sure necessarily say it's the first, but one that um, surprises me is, is Don't Stop Me Now. Because yes. for me... Don't Stop Me Now is probably the one of the most overexposed Queen songs there is. I mean, it, there are some radio stations where that's the only song, Queen song that they'll they'll play. Oh, really? Yeah. So it's sort of I feel like when you know whenever you're driving along in the car and say you know coming up Queen, you can almost guarantee it's going to be Don't Stop Me Now. Right. So every party you go to, so it really feels like a song I've like on. Yeah, I've heard that so many times, but hearing it here live, I just really love the energy of it you know brian's guitars are much more up in the in the mix which is which is great yeah. um well it he's just playing a more... guitar through it which he didn't do on the studio yeah exactly it gives um, it that rock feel yeah it's more of rocky you're absolutely right and there's a more improvised feel about it 
as well somehow. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the va- backing vocals, particularly again by Roger, are incredible. And then mm. it's a great example as well of Freddie's live piano playing, sort of adding that extra dimension to to Queen, you know, uh, on on the live stage. So it's a song for me that gets revitalised by being done live. Um, and it's a nice change to the studio album, which, of course, it's a classic track, but I like the freshness that this version has of it. so rock it's heavy it is it's a heavy track mm-hmm. right yeah. if you just listen to that out of context you'd be like oh, that's such good pantera man that's I, that's what i think you'd be saying yeah um but yeah it's truly truly heavy and i think the thing that you get on a live album with these guys particularly from this era is how much of a rock and roll band they are yeah they just love making a racket um and it's always interesting to me where they're faithful to what they've done like that guitar solo is really bang on for what he did on the studio track but mm. prior to that he's just doing all sorts of noises mm. <laughs> he wants to do you know what i mean they yeah. have that discussion it's 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 great that they, he's giving you enough of what you expect to hear because you love the track from the album so you have to be faithful to that but then there's also this really healthy dose of new stuff like you say that just takes it to a different place and actually it's interesting when you hear how into the 39 the crowd were they were really singing along yeah they all cheer after the amazing um, yeah and they're sort of singing along with it and and now a couple of songs later we're in don't i mean if you're in that audience you're halfway through the gig and you're in full-on party mode aren't you i mean Mm -hmm. you you must be exhausted by now (laughs) to work out watching queen (laughs) it is yeah so did this album follow the set list then or was it put together in a different order it's largely in the right order but actually this chunk from Don't Stop Me Now through to Brighton Rock was moved around a bit. Right. But on the whole, it remained quite faithful. But there are there are some anomalies, should we say. The other thing that's occurred to me as we look through this is, like, it's been a while. It's been a minute since I put Live Killers on. Like, mm-hmm. I put it, you know, I put it on, obviously, to research this and listen through it all. And it's amazing how much has imprinted in my brain. Like, I remembered all the little bits. I remembered all the little 
jokes that Freddie does and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. But it has been a long time since I put on Live Killers or even a Live Magic. I don't tend to put those albums on anymore because I've got the studio recordings, I've got playlists, and I've now got video material. Mm. Yeah, where I can we watch can. Them live, right? We can go and watch uh, so much of Queen live on YouTube whenever we want. Yeah, Imagine, yeah, yeah. oh man, I could just think of me when I'm 15, like scraping together pennies to try and buy like Queen rocks down our price. Exactly. Imagine yeah. if I had the whole lot just for free right there. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? I could see. It's a them. good time to be young, Sam. That's what we're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We all, we all, we're all. Stop taking 15-year-old Sam. Sam. <laughs> I mean, honestly, at least he's got a mature role model. We're playing Mario Golf later tonight, yeah? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Mario Golf. Okay. Okay. I'd finished university by the time YouTube appeared. Like, me me leaving uni and YouTube starting up coincide, and that that blows my mind, because surely we've had YouTube for 30 years. I got to university to, uh, I had to go to the computer lab under the library and and get an email address and work out. Oh, yeah. No, I had to do that as well. Yeah, they give you your uni email address. (laughs) 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 Not three years and I use that thing. Yeah, I did my dissertation with a quill pen. All right, move on. (laughs) (laughs) On I thought you you had your Parowala write it for you. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't trust him, so I had to do it myself. <laughs> sure, sure, you sure, know. he's unreliable. Well, he couldn't write that and, you know, keep me cool at the same time. So <laughs> Exactly, exactly. He's only got two hands. <laughs> oh, None of this is true, dear old. please believe. <laughs> Before. Don't at us, don't at us. Simon doesn't have a parawala. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I had to. So the bits that really interest me on this album are, are sort of the in-between bits, uh, which is any snatch of Freddie talking is the most precious thing on a live album mm. for me. Mm. So uh, the thing that I found really interesting is, um, like, we all know the AOs from Live Aid, mm-hmm. but actually, now I'm here. He does it a few times throughout this album, but now I'm here is a really good example. It is, on this album, it is... Eight minutes, 45 seconds long. I don't know how long this album is, but if you've got a long drive, you could just start by playing Live Killers and it will cover cover you for at least two hours, I would have thought of you. Ah, drive. yeah, get it's about an hour and a half. So it'll cover you for about 90 minutes, spot on mm. the money, I think. Um, <laughs> all right, so look, now here, this version is from Frankfurt again um, uh, on the 2nd of February and then they cut away... I'll come back, I think, uh, to a slightly different version from Leon on the 17th of February. Literally at the beginning of this track, this this side of the uh, album opens with Freddie going, You are now going to sing! <laughs> it's <laughs> such a good moment! <laughs> you know, and you hear him go, hey! And you start to hear this sort of him developing the... Well, it's well developed by this point, actually, but that call and response from Freddie, that thing that he does. Mm. I love this. I think it's a great example of it. And it isn't a, an 80s... Uh, moustache Freddy invention right he's been doing this yeah it's been building and I think it's a really good example of it so I thought let's listen to uh, to that sort of call and response section. I have taken quite a big old bloody chunk of it but I haven't well let's listen to it and then I'll talk, talk about it afterwards yeah 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 
<laughs> Brilliant. Love that, that is just in the middle of the song, and then Brian comes back in, mm. and then with all the band playing, he takes them through it again, exactly the same pattern that he's just taught them. Yeah. With the band playing as well. Mm. I mean, it's extraordinary, and it's so musical what mm. he's doing. There is literally no one like Freddie Mercury. Mm-mm. No. There just isn't. That's a stadium, you know, a stadium rock gig. Uh, you know, staple of 70s rock, and he manages to put on it a sort of music hall tradition. That would be end of the night in a music hall, a hundred years before that, everyone would be led in a big chorus of After the Ball or something. Mm. Um, yeah. he's, mm. he's doing that, but making it rock. Yeah. 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 The, the other thing is um, his confidence in his own singing ability yeah. to be able to do that. It's not yeah. just confidence, it's knowledge that he's good at singing. It's knowledge that he's great at singing. And it really comes across on this album, I think more than it does on the studio albums. You know, what a what a key component to the band. But he is, his voice is just a component of the band, right? The whole band yeah. make this music. But Definitely. it's as key as the guitar. It's on the same level as the guitar, the drums and the bass. All four of them are on exactly the same level. Mm. And they rely on Freddie entirely to deliver the lyrics. They give him support here and there. And, and and when they do, it's amazing. But he carries so much of this live stuff. Yeah. And singing is the hardest. Like, that's the... You can make a mistake on the guitar or you might miss a beat on the drum or whatever. And that moment's gone and everyone's moved on. But when the singer hits a bum note, everyone, everyone knows. knows. Yeah. Right? And this yeah. guy, he could not give it monkeys. He just goes at it every yeah. time. Yeah. And mm. if you... If you are doing a long run of gigs like this, where, like, I don't know if you've noticed, but Queen is pretty full on singing. If you're doing yeah. a long run of gigs like that, that wears your voice out. Um, you've still got to deliver. That doesn't happen if you're a guitarist. You don't go, oh, I've had to do so many gigs on the trot. I'm not going to be able to play the guitar very well tonight. Yeah, it's yeah, no, my strings are tired. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, put yeah. Put strings on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, whereas yeah, the voice it's... is an organic instrument. It, that's it. It requires a mm. whole different level of maintenance and mm-hmm. care, and you know. And I, I always actually think of that. You you mentioned 
you mentioned that you like to think that Freddie just smoked so he'd have something in his hand, but he didn't actually yeah. inhale. And, and that has been literally, I think, the most comforting thought. <laughs> because, yeah, I listen to these live albums. I'm like, how the hell is he doing this? When it, whenever in, I see out. Freddie smoking, he's always gesticulating and flicking ash and he's so rarely having a puff it's... yeah right yeah <laughs> <laughs> well he, and he never did on stage right it was only yeah it'd be weird to smoke on stage wouldn't it yeah like, all right well i've got saw... now then <laughs> <laughs> well unless you're lemmy <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in which case you could do whatever the hell you wanted yeah yeah i just thought it was it was a nice i mean i know it's a big fat chunk but i just wanted to no, to share that that it's this cool. was going on in 79 i love it i love it go on suze why don't mm. we come back to uh, one of your choices sure i have got here keep yourself alive mm. which i just think it's a very standout moment in this show keep yourself alive was in many ways Queen's first song. Uh, Launched Queen onto the uh, stage as a this new band that were out there releasing music. This was their first release. This version of it, uh, you know, six years after it was originally released, when they're a massive touring act, is it's so fast and it's so tight. I just noticed how tight it is. It's bang on everything. It's crazy. There is not a hair out of place in a song that is raucous. It never feels mannered. It's that. Yeah. It's kind of that Meryl Streep thing where it, it, everything is um, incredibly studied and carefully uh, produced for us with Meryl Streep, but you'd never know it seeing it and keep yourself alive does that that's so lovely yeah well it's interesting isn't it that so it, this closes uh, side two I mm-hmm. think it's the only I think. It's the only track on Knife Killers from Queen One. Is that right? Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah, pretty sure it is. Yeah, um, which makes it the song that they have played the most live by this point. Mm. Right. Yeah. And the speed of it, I think, is that you can just feel that they are. They, they, they've just got this one down. Let's listen to a bit mm-hmm. of it. Go on, producer Sam, hit it. So heavy, you can you can feel John at the end there. Doom, 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 mm. Huge bass sound. Mm-hmm. Wow, they are tight as all that, and you don't get oh, that on the studio it. albums. No, because you know with a studio album, I mean they all sound tight as hell on the studio album, but you can do as many takes as you like. Can't live. Yeah. So, but yeah, they're not that... indulgent in the studio either. They're no. really, you know, everything is made. But whereas live, they create spaces for each other. Just to... mm. yeah. It's fantastic. No, it's, it reminds me actually um, when we were having our chat with Spike uh, in the yes in the, in the last episode, I believe. Um, Indeed, he 
he was talking about that knowing what is going to happen at a certain point in a song, but having that freedom to do whatever you like before it. So clearly Roger has got complete freedom in that drum solo to do whatever he likes and the band are happy just to stand there and let him do his thing. Yeah. But there's a moment in it where it sort of switches into something very familiar and that is his cue to the rest of the band. Here I come. And so then he comes out the drum solo and the band are bang on it with him. But that happens the, so many times yeah, on this album. And that is mm-hmm. that is that innate understanding that the rest of the band know when they hear that moment, that's the nod, that's the look to say, okay, guys, we're back in it again. It's so cool. Brilliant. brilliant. Only a band can do this kind of thing. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And only this band can do it this well for me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, they're absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, great choice. Keep yourself alive. Um, you know, and, and also, again, for me, like, that was probably the first time I ever heard that track would have been on Live Killers, right? I wouldn't mm. have heard Keep Yourself Alive, the original version, because I didn't have an internet, because that didn't exist, right? So it wasn't until I got Queen one that I'd have been able to... So part of Live Killers for me was like, well, I want to find that track. Why don't I know that track? So mm. like 39 and stuff drove me, I think, towards... I think Night of the Opera would have been the first album I got after Live Killers, right? Stuff like that. Mm. It's cool, cool, cool. Simon, how are you gonna how are you gonna match Keep Yourself Alive for for Well, I'm uh, not even gonna try and match richness. it for that kind of energy. Let's go a different way. Let's go can we go for spread your wings? Ooh, what a because lovely choice. I think Spread Your Wings is one of Queen's most underrated Agreed. songs. And it really, really no pun intended, flies live. It's just, mm. there's a, a lovely extra heavy feel to it. I, it's funny, there are some Queen songs that I think feel quite constricted by the studio process and they never really s- scale the heights that they can do until the band do it live. Hammer to Fall is another one. Hammer to Fall is, is a song that, for, for to me, feels quite limited on the album but when you hear it live it just has this sort of i don't know it's kind of just sort of puffs its chest and just <laughs> becomes so much bigger and spread your wings is another and i love the way the crowd join in on this one as well it's that kind of okay yeah it's not a massive hit but we all know it and love it and we want to join in and it's just brilliant i want to all's a good example of that because i remember the first time i heard that going this is going to be amazing live yeah Right, yeah. and obviously we didn't know at that time there wasn't going to be. No. But when it did come at the tribute, it was amazing. Like, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, what a shame! What a shame! There was never a chance to hear oh, that line. Man. Oh, oh yeah, but we have all these wonderful things. Spread your yes. wings is a really good shout, Simon. I feel like um, all of your shouts are from side three. Yeah, it's so I'm just far. saying that I just feel that all you've done is research side three, which has three songs on it, and yeah. gone right. That's what I'm bringing to the pod. So yeah. I feel like I put more effort in than you. That's all I'm saying. But no. wow. um, gloves are off. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I miss John. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I think Freddie's vocals on this are absolutely amazing. And the thing that really strikes me uh, with this is is how well the crowd knows this song. Mm. Mm. They really know it. That you can hear them joining along, which is phenomenal. Let's listen to sort of that second verse into the chorus. I think it's great.
And he's playing the piano all the way through that as well. Yeah, it's extraordinary. It's really just it? things on the keys. Yeah, yeah. But that he can get that amount of crowd engagement while sat mm. at a piano. Yeah, is incredible, isn't yeah. it? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Without a big single, I know they're yeah. Queen fans in the audience, yeah. but it's not yeah. like, oh, come on, guys, sing along to Bohemian Rhapsody. That song you've known for nearly five years. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. They it's also it. uh, a tragedy that Spread Your Wings was not featured in We Will Rock You, the musical. Yes. Why wouldn't you put that yes. in there? It's like, it's a, it's it tells its own story. It's theatrical. It's raucous. That could have put Spread Your Wings on the map to the general public. Yeah, <laughs> The yeah, Emerald yeah. Bar was in there Some Was that referenced? No, it was in my Queen that musical that I wrote. <laughs> Predating we'll rock you. Yeah. yeah, I was four, 14, 15. I, it, oh, it predated we will rock you by a couple of years. And then we will rock you was announced. And I was like, ah, oh. like that was the only thing standing in my way of getting my Queen musical produced. No, everything took place at the Emerald oh, exactly. Bar in my really? Queen musical. Yeah, I had the same reaction when they, when they made the first Transformers film. <laughs> So I think that was a very good choice, Spread Your Wings. I like it. I'm going to pick out... What am I going to pick out? Do you know what? I think I might just pick out a little bit of um, bit of Dreamer's Ball. Oh. Mm. It's just nice to play a bit of Dreamer's Ball. That's what I've decided to go for. Yeah. It's on uh, side one. Uh, side two, sorry. So disc one, side two. Uh, it's the second track in. So this is coming in after now I'm here um, from Leon on the 17th of February. And the arrangement for this version of the song is so different to the studio version. And it's got Brian and Roger doing that vocal brass stuff, which I think I we played a bit of that mm. back in uh, jazz to mm. side B. Mm-hmm. So you, you'll have heard it there. Um, but I just thought I'd... The, intro, the beginning of this song is sort of so loose. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's just this amazing sort of casual like you know they've just come off of eight nine minutes nearly of now i'm here of just bam bam like it's been huge and now they're just like yeah we're just a band guys don't it isn't the like spoken intro they basically just go er (laughs) yeah yeah that's what i'm gonna play yeah Yeah. a little bit of mercy (laughs) buku good it's very good well a little bit of uh, nonsense now Yeah. Hey. Hey, maybe you should do something like this, huh? All right, that's good. Merci beaucoup. All right. Nice and easy does it, babe.
Is this sort of the only live album where you've got a live version of Dreamers Ball? It might not be by this point, but I, I think what that puts me in mind of is at the time, like when The Miracle was coming out and then Innuendo, Live Killers and uh, Live Magic were like official albums for me. Yeah. They're part of the set. Do you know yes. what I mean? They're, yeah, yeah. They were absolutely, they weren't, like there wasn't the studio albums and then the live albums. Obviously there's been a lot of live releases since then and... Uh, and that's all changed. But for mm-hmm. for me at that age, Live Killers was access to all of that stuff up until seventy nine, and then Live Magic was just a bit of an update to that. <laughs> you know, yeah. A couple of the newer tracks. So do you know what I think, Suze? Mm. I think it's time. What do you think? I think it's time to hear from a man who's guaranteed to blow our minds. I think it's I time for who? Simon Says. Simon Hello! Says. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Oh, my God, I can't believe it. Well, you'll be very pleased to know there are no Hollywood remixes from Live Killers. <laughs> Thank <laughs> God. You that's, imagine. that's one line they never crossed, we're pleased to say. <laughs> Not that they were ever shy of crossing a line, but this one no, they didn't. No, no. Um, no, actually, uh, on of love of my life. the fabulous um, Queen On Air box set, there's a nice little snippet yes. of an interview that Roger gave on Radio 1 with Richard Skinner, where he talked specifically about the Live Killers album um, as it came out. Um, And he makes some really interesting points about it, which I thought might be fun to hear from from the drum department. Yeah. One of the things we tried to do with the live album, we did try to make it a genuine live album with a concert atmosphere. I don't, I don't think there's really a, any other way of doing it. There's plenty of audience involved there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, there's tons of audience on it, because it's real. I must admit, listening to it, it does sound like a live LP. It has the drawbacks of a live LP, yeah. but it does have the excitement there. Yeah, I mean, no live album is going to be as high fidelity as a studio album. I mean, there's just no way. So why try and get halfway there? You might as well try and uh, keep in that excitement. Better. In the future, do you intend to continue creating in the studio and then going live? Or would you like to maybe do it the more conventional way and, and go out and get music together on stage and then record it? Interesting. But in our position, it's very difficult because people come to our shows, I think, um, wanting to hear things they know or partially know or etc. And so what we try and do is we basically play the songs we're best known for and extrapolate around them and try and give them some extra dimension on, on stage. Um, I think that would be a very hard way to work. At the moment, we're in um, Munich, and we're working on just some new songs, um, just to see what we can uh, come out with. Is this approach. the beginning of a new LP? No, it's not, actually. It's, it's, it probably will turn out to be part of an album, um, as the songs do seem to be coming, but we're, sort of, we're literally sort of creating them there, which is very different for us, because we've always been very... We've gone into the studio with the basic material there. 
All sorts of surprising things going on, actually. Is it actually changing the sound of Queen? Oh, yeah, some of them are... Uh, a couple of them are totally, totally different. But I don't think any of this will be released for, for a while because of this, the live album. But I'm very uh, enthused about it. <laughs> oh, he's just got such a sexy voice. <laughs> <laughs> just, I, love, I love the way he... I love his accent. <clears throat> I, I just love that. I love it. That response to the sort of the question because interesting. <laughs> it's just like yeah. yeah, but that is that is really that's really on point. It's a lot of what, what you've been talking about, which is you know they have songwriting periods and then they have the live periods. But this was an interesting period where those first four tracks from the game mm. were kind of in circulation by this point almost. Um, I don't know if we get any of them on this album actually on Live Killers. No, it was the next tour where they started to a crazy tour, right? To to creep yeah, in. Yeah. I think Save Me sort of went onto the set list before it was released, but mm. and we'll yeah. talk about that when we get onto the game. The fact that yeah, there was this sort of odd delay between those first four tracks. Yeah, but I think it was an interesting what what the DJ Richard Skinner was saying there in in that a lot of bands would go on tour and work up material on stage in front of an audience and then take it into a studio to record which mm. was the complete opposite to how queen mm. did it and I, I don't think i could ever imagine queen doing that i don't think they would have wanted to share a song until they'd really they'd worked it through and decided it was good enough so i don't i don't yeah. know whether which is there a better way or it's just a different way I don't know. well i think what i took from that there is when roger talks about you know in his first response is, what is it the audience is after, right? And I've, mm. I mentioned this before. It's like they put the audience front and centre for everything, which is the key, I think, to anything entertaining. It's not about you. It's about them every time. So, listeners, all of this is for you. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> my point is, uh, he immediately goes to, well, this is what the audience... This is the audience we have in mind. These are the audience we think are here. This is what we want to give them. And that stands all the way up to now. You know, you told a story recently of uh, you and did Taylor Hawkins having a mm. chat about trying to get Brian to put... Um, which track was it into the set list? It was a brilliant choice. Doing all right. Doing, doing all right. right. Putting doing yeah. all right into the set list. Amazing. And, you know, Brian's reaction was, well, people don't really know. And when you went, yes, but it's now been in the movie he was like okay and and they they do think in those terms they think Mm. well hang on what we do live is you know based on what we believe the audience is paying money to see yeah and then we will surprise them with that stuff we'll definitely find them with that stuff brilliant really brilliant let's get back to chatting about some tracks go on Suze well uh speaking of songs on this album that sound faster and more raucous than they do on the studio recordings sheer heart attack oh yeah sheer heart attack feels like an exceptionally hard song to recreate live as it's already needs to be very tight and fast and it's so specific and they do that queen thing of making it feel like loose as hell but they're bang on it throughout like roger is playing out of his boots um i'd say my only problem with this track on this album is i just wish the production was cleaner because i feel like you lose some of the specifics with it but you hear it as a whole as this 100 percent tight um i don't know how they've done it and there's not a hair out of place it's it's like the keep yourself alive 
uh, version on this album, but turned up to 11. Yeah, yeah, and it's coming in off uh, Tie Your Mother Down as well. Um, So they're just going through a hugely rocky part. So this is on side four on the final part of the disc. So, Mm -hmm. uh, 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 and, uh, you know, we'll be going into the finale off the back of this where we will rock you and we are the champions. It's well placed, this. I thought I'd uh, listen to a bit of, uh, I love the inarticulate bit. Because I never knew that's what he was saying when I was a kid. I just thought it was being amazing. Um, and uh, into verse two. So, um, yeah, let's get some punk on. Articulate. <laughs> it's pure punk and it's so heavy, but it's kind of thrash by this point when these boys do it, I mm. think. And you're right, my God. How is Roger even breathing? <laughs> it's all of them. Like they're all they're also on it within this, but he's very much holding this song together with uh, the rhythm section. Absolutely. Him and John. Absolutely. And I think it's also so if you take, for example, we're not we're not obviously listeners. We're not going to listen to every single track on this album. We'll be here till next week. But um, uh, I did uh, notice a little note I'd written for the Tie Your Mother Down that's on just before this, which is uh, when Brian goes into his solo on that, it doesn't need rhythm guitar, right? It's just mm-hmm. bass, right? It's bass and drums. And John is heavy enough and thick enough with his bass to keep that running. <laughs> Sheer heart attack, it is all three of them all piling in to create this 
fat metal noise. And it is difficult to remember that that's just three human beings with instruments up there, right? Plus Freddie singing. I don't think he's playing piano on this track. (laughs) What a racket they can make. Now, Simon. Hmm. Well, actually, both you and Suze picked uh, Let Me Entertain You for uh, the uh, Queen de la Queen. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. If you remember. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Or jazz. And it appears on this album. It does. Are you a fan? Do you like this version? I do like it. Well, I can't remember it because I only listened to side three of this album. But uh, <laughs> of course, of course, no, you've got no notes. I've got no. No, absolutely. I I do. Uh, I do love this. Um, and I the thing that leaps out for me again is is the vocal harmonies on it with you know with the band still technically doing some very very difficult stuff to keep the song moving along. They're still absolutely nailing the vocal harmonies, which is great but I don't know, it's a song that we talked a lot about when we did this on the album it's campness and the theatricality of it you know we we love the lyrics don't we you know yeah. the Cruella de Villu and all that kind of mm. nonsense which is, is on the is on the verge of being silly but they they pull it off on the album and I think they pull it off even more when it's it's live the extra edge you get to it in li- when they do it live just makes it work and mm. makes it a real spectacle, you know, when you, you see it live. Yeah, I agree, 100%. It's the second track on this album, and it goes into Death on Two Legs as well, which is yeah also phenomenal. If you want to hear some bleeps on Freddie Mercury, listen to Death on Two Legs <laughs> on the Live Killers album. It's really good. <laughs> but um, uh, let's listen to some sound and amplification, please, producer Sam. <laughs> has got so much strut on it I, I i cannot listen to it without visually seeing freddie doing his hand gestures and yeah like that wide open mouth on the yeah amazing yeah. yeah why did you want to highlight this one out in particular for you well Simon? is it the just the sheer ballsiness of it it is but also we haven't we haven't touched on mr deacon yet you know in our review of this this album and he's absolutely killing it here um yeah, yeah. and uh it's yeah it's it's one of those songs that we'll talk about we'll rock you fast later i'm sure but as an opening to the concert that that mantra of deafen and blind them and then leave them wanting more as what you're supposed Mm. to take from a queen concert you're two songs in and you are absolutely blown away aren't you oh yeah the ground hasn't been still for 10 minutes now (laughs) 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 <laughs> the building's been a shaking. Yeah, it's noses great. are bleeding. It's great. It's... <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yes, and again, you know, you sometimes forget that Freddie 
uh, is often responsible for some of their heaviest tracks. And this mm. is one of them, that it becomes even heavier live. What a banging, banging track. I love it. It would be remiss of us to look at a live album without having a quick look at Love of My Life, wouldn't it, Suze? Oh, yeah. Oh. The single. <laughs> the single. Yeah. The single from the album. The single release, sadly, didn't, for whatever reason, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't manage to chart. I think got to number sixty-three or something, sadly. But there we are. It is for us Queen fans an anthem nonetheless, and as mm. big as any of their other songs, I feel. Um, so yes, this was uh, the versions here were taken from Frankfurt on the second of February and Paris on the twenty-seventh, um, and it's a sort of rearranged version of the studio recording. I've got a bit to play from this, which is essentially. A bit for the middle, but I think you wanted to look at some of the end. But what I like about this is, if you listen to the audience, they've got a French accent. No. <laughs> it's brilliant. Let's have a listen. Love of my life, don't leave me. You've stolen my love, you See. Can't hear them hear it now. What it means to me. It's so sweet. <laughs> Never noticed That's so Lovely Brian Melody mm. playing lovely gorgeousness. Love of My Life is just a whole other track live, isn't it, Suze? Yeah, they've really... Well, like this this idea of going around essentially previewing their music live before they put it on an album, That's here's an example of why they could never do that and should never have done that, because <laughs> they created this kind of Baroque pastiche um, love ballad on... A Night at the Opera that then becomes a beautiful guitar-led, uh, almost sort of, it's like a uh, sort of modern green sleeves. Yes. It's for the whole audience. Yes. Live. It, right. it is a totally different song. Yeah. Brilliant description. Yes. It, it has got that. There is something ever so... Um... Uh, resonant about that song, mm. uh, its melody. It, you know, it's it's sort of reminiscent of maybe I don't know lullabies that your parents sung mm, badly mm-hmm. at you when you were a baby or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's got it's got something about it that's truly ethereal. Um, yeah. Was there a particular bit of the track that you wanted to shine a light? Oh, on? Oh, it's actually not. It's not part of the song. It's at the end. I think Brian introduces the band and. I like the way he introduces Freddie by going, oh, maracas and sometimes vocals. It's Mr. Freddie oh, Mercury. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, a ah. bit of Brian May. That would be great. I'd like to welcome back to the stage the rest of the Queen group on uh, on drums and uh, tiger skin trousers, Mr. Roger Taylor. 
guitar, Mr. John Deacon. And on uh, maracas and sometimes vocals, Mr. Freddie Mercury. Absolutely brilliant. I love how Brian's sort of the de facto spokesman of the band. Yeah, it's nice. It's like halfway through the show, it's the Brian May roast. (laughs) (laughs) Over there in his tiger skin trousers. That's brilliant. (laughs) Nice. That's the thing. That's the thing that you do get on these albums that you don't get on the studio albums, which is a little bit more connection to the band members, just Mm. a little bit of themselves. And it's so precious and adorable and brilliant. Um, and not dated in any way. Listen, mm-hmm. we ought to tackle Brighton Rock, guys. Oh, oh yeah. Right. I, I I think we just we just we just have to have a look at Brighton Rock. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult not to look at it because it takes up. I mean, Simon will will know this very well because mm. it, it takes up almost the entirety of side three. Yes. <laughs> this uh, thing. <laughs> it's what twelve minutes. Yeah. It's over twelve minutes. It's twelve yeah. minutes thirty seconds long, <laughs> which is madness. So essentially. The studio version only contains sort of a main guitar and the echoed guitar for that section. But in the live versions, Brian would split that guitar into a main and two echoed um, sounds. Hmm. So um, you've got that thing where he's... We looked at it in some detail, I think, um, back when we... On Sheer Heart Attack. But the, the sort of the three echo repeat, Freddie does it occasionally with his mic, but... Uh, Brian's doing it a lot, obviously, on all of his solos, and this is where that giant solo was birthed out of, in a lot of ways. Um, I'm not sure which came first, actually, the solo or Brighton Rock. Probably the solo, I'm not sure. Um, but uh, just to give you a sense of uh, of how much time it's just Brian, right, out of this 12-minute track, uh, Roger finishes his sort of timpani solo at about just under six minutes in, and it's basically mm. all Brian. Brian for three minutes fully on his own before Roger and Roger and John will come in for little bits but essentially it is solo from five minutes 42 until 11 minutes 25 it's all guitar Mm. six minutes of pure guitars it's phenomenal it's phenomenal listen why don't we listen to I thought it'd be really good to listen to the opening just because it's the main singy bit and I love the main singy bit and then I thought it might be nice just to shine a light on Roger's rather long but very famous timpani solo because when else are we ever going to get a chance to listen to that? This is called Brighton Rock.
Mm. And unlike sort of later solos, the band stay with him for quite a while, actually. <laughs> They're playing mm. together through quite a lot of the guitar stuff. It's a really nice version of this song. Um, I, I, I love that bit of melody. Yes, it's beautiful, isn't it? Mm. Really good. It's completely brilliant. We think of Right and Rock as a guitar solo, but that... My God, it's so fast as well. This is a blend yes. from... Um, it's so fast, right? Oh, yeah, they're out there with this one, yeah. It's almost like they're... Also, it sounds... It doesn't sound like it's in a big live stadium. It sounds really intimate somehow. Mm. I don't know quite mm. what's going on with recording here, but part of it was uh, from Frankfurt, part of it uh, was from a couple of dates in Paris, and it was all blended together. Right. Um, but, yeah, brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Should we uh, listen to uh, almost... Uh, Almost two minutes of Roger Taylor I love how it was bang, bang. <laughs> then he takes a little rest and goes bang again. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, I think the first time I saw him do that was on maybe Rare Live, mm. uh, on okay. a video cassette of Rare Live. I think mm-hmm. it's the first time I ever, and I was like, <gasps> so it's just a big thing that he would do was these big old timpani solos. Yeah, that's quite a flex, isn't it? Yeah. I'm bringing my timpanis on tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, yes, 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 to be fair. Yeah. Get the timpani van, fill it up. Yeah, I don't think he'd be doing that if he didn't have assistance, to be honest. But um, but it is an amazing thing to decide to do in the middle of a rock concert, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know anyone else who was doing that. Um, mm-hmm. And That's like from the classical tradition, that would be right? like a, yeah, no. a showcase part of... Um, a, a Royal Festival Hall concert or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's taking a very classical instrument and making it really cool. And mm. um, he, it, you, you're tuning it with your foot. So you have a pedal that enables ah. him to, to make it so, you know, it rises and falls the notes. Right. And hitting that in a tuneful way on as you're playing it is not easy because they're not designed to 
to do that they're basically there to enable you to tune them as you're playing to, to different notes not while you're you know so in a gap you'll retune them uh not mm-hmm. while you're playing them <laughs> so wow because yeah. i was about to ask you is that hard to do yes yes, yes clearly yes. not only is he doing that he's doing that because he's able to innovate doing it yeah he's that's it's what he does he makes new. the drums musical and he does that with his kit you know that mm. you know when we heard him playing earlier on he, he just makes it sound tuneful and yeah and all right the, the the timpani are designed to be tuneful you can tune them to specific notes but he's still mm. making them do something they're not designed they're just designed to accompany an orchestra they're, they're not yeah. designed to be a solo instrument at all i think that's the thing i've always loved about him is he, if he's going to do a drum solo he will try and find a way to make that as entertaining and interesting and never boring as possible yeah absolutely right so it's either well okay if i'm going to do a drum solo okay i'm going to start by drumming on a bass guitar to pull you know do you know what i mean mm. or i'm gonna mm-hmm. have a drum off with my son or whatever it is it's always you know yeah and it's interesting it's some of what he was doing there bleeds into what they're doing next which is the flash gordon album yeah so we, we hear those again don't we on flash yeah Mm-hmm. Yes, and I do think you hear quite a lot of those sounds, like um, you know when uh, "Get Down, Make Love" breaks down, and it, it mm. sort of goes into that sort of, you know. And again, we heard a little bit of that on on thirty nine when it goes a bit sci fi. They are producing those sounds that they yeah. will they will be using. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Very much. When did he stop doing the Timp solo? Did he just sort of go, "Ah, it's bored now. I'm done with that." Yeah, and I think probably lugging them around. I mean, I know he didn't have to do it, but I'm sure it got sort of... Mm. But whoever was was like, do we have yeah. to lug these around? A very other? expensive part of the tour. It also, it's, it must be, they. it always looks insanely physical. I mean, what he does yes. anyway is. But yeah. to add that in in the middle, it's like chucking in um, a bloody long jump into the triathlon. Like, oh, by the way, right. before yeah. you hop on your bike... Yeah, go over there, do ten jumps in the sandpit, <laughs> and they're still yeah. they're still lug, yeah, lugging yeah, the exactly. gong around at this point as well for the end of you know right. the race. <laughs> for the end of the race. <laughs> like, yeah, you gotta have you gotta have a gong. You gotta have a gong and tips. <laughs> you know, smash that gong. Yeah, I think he just went. Oh, do you know what? Let's just stick with drums. <laughs> By the time nineteen eighty came out, yeah. Um, but I love that he did it. I love that he did it. And, Absolutely, yeah, it makes him a memorable, distinctive, and brilliant drummer. Absolutely brilliant. Um, look, this album is so full of so many amazing tracks. I mean, you know, we're not even going to touch on Bo Rap. <laughs> we will rock you. And we are the champions. I will say, we will rock you. Freddie clearly says one more time to the crowd, but the crowd sing "We Will Rock You" when they're not meant to. So listen out for yeah. that. <laughs> Definitely, they sing it twice more. Where he clearly attracted them to sing it once more. Um, you're fired. <laughs> just listen to what you've been told to do. Um, but we've covered a lot of these tunes. I'm quite happy yeah. about how we've done. Right? There's that lovely little run on the first side of the album on disc one, where essentially. Uh, from Death on Two Legs, it all blends. So there's this run of uh, Death on Two Legs through Killer Queen, Bicycle Race, I'm in Love with My Car, Get Down, Make Love, and You're My Best Friend, which is almost like one medley, which is a beautiful Mm. thing to listen to. Mm -hmm. It's really good. But I thought the last thing that we should do is have a little look at um, We Will Rock You Fast. Oh, Um, yeah. Our, Our opening track. It is our opening track. The version that we use is from this album. 
Other versions mm-hmm. are available. Uh, <laughs> however, this is the version th- that essentially imprinted itself on me. Uh, again, Live Killers, uh, one of the earlier albums I got, and I'd never. It blew my mind that it mm. even existed. Didn't didn't know about it. Was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And I sort of am on a mission to get as many people in the world to hear this version of Weaver Rondo as I possibly can. So let's listen to the opening of this badass track. business i love it i love it there's also a brilliant bit at the end where roger's drumming just goes completely bonkers <laughs> um, I, well of course it does he's, he's a completely bonkers drummer why not got strong feelings about this track there is a studio version of this track which was recorded for john peel mm-hmm. which i think simon is on queen on air yes um and yep. interestingly it's almost slower than the normal version <laughs> it's a really strange version i don't know sam if you've got a clip of it there um but i thought it might be nice to uh to have a look at it because it's genuinely like I think if you put Freddie singing on "We Will Rock You" fast on this John Peel version next to Freddie singing "We Will Rock You" on the original version, I think the original version of the track will get him there sooner. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, I thought it would be interesting to listen to a little bit of this. fast and slow <laughs> yeah, yeah. but i love the live version uh what about you guys do you remember hearing this for the first time and having an impact on you oh yeah yeah <laughs> yeah I, I it i thought like that thing where you go oh of course <laughs> 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 they've yeah, done yeah, yeah. this with real yeah. hockey yeah 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 yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's great. It's exciting stuff. It's exciting I like them opening shows and closing shows with the original version. Yeah. Good. But I have to yeah. say, yeah, I, yeah, loved, I loved its use in the We Were Rocky musical. 
where mm. it's what the cast took their bows to at the end. Yeah. And it's it's wow. just you know, you're all everyone's up on their, feet, on their feet rocking out it to it. It works. Um, yeah. You can tell the band person. love playing it as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In yeah. in the musical. Yeah. 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 And Queen probably do. I imagine they enjoyed it occasionally. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm 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 going to put forward a controversial a controversial proposition. Mm. Mm. I would like We Will Rock You Fast from Live Killers to be put into the Queen de la Queen. Oh. It is the only version of it that is out of that studio album period, those 15 albums with Live Magic and blah, blah, blah. It's the only one that you're going to find it on. Mm. It's so distinctive, and we use it as our theme tune for the Queen pod. Yep. And I feel like Live Killers would is elevated I think it's it was elevated more historically than it might be now, but as a nod to how important it was to us all at the time, particularly. Well, that's what that's what I'm that's what I'm that's what I'm putting forward to you guys. I haven't wow. discussed it with John, and I won't. <laughs> I'm going to reveal <laughs> it to him if you two agree. <laughs> well, then majority carries, doesn't it? Really? Yeah. So are we saying yes? Are we saying yes? Can we put sure. it? Sure. Yeah. Well, I think it's oh. a good. I think it's a good alternative version of an existing track to put in Queen de la Queen. Yes! I'm so happy that's made this entire <laughs> podcast worthwhile. Can you imagine what <laughs> Two an amazing? Years. There are listeners jumping around the lounge right now, <laughs> crashing their cars. Slapping people on the back when they crash into because they're so happy. This is yeah. great. I'm sorry about the crashing your cast, but I'm just very excited. Um, <laughs> amazing, amazing. What a wonderful thing to do. Looking at live albums is good. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. No, that's yeah. been a real treat. I've enjoyed a big that part a lot. Of them. Really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed that. Uh, hopefully, we'll look at some other live stuff very soon. But mm. I think the next thing we're going to be looking at is the game is that right producer sam that is correct it's the game it's almost like we're doing these orders these albums in order of release it's amazing um what a fluke All right. Well, listen, please email your stories, your questions into queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com. You can comment at thequeenpod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Go along to patreon.com forward slash queenpod. You can make a little one-off donation there if you want to support us, or you can subscribe for amazing treats. And they are amazing treats. They're all very happy, our our lovely patrons. Um, uh, Have you guys got anything you want to plug? I don't know. I've got a little thing to plug. Yeah, go very on. quickly, just to say as well, keep sending in your rankings <gasps> from uh, a couple yes. of episodes ago. Your top ten mm. uh, non-studio yes. albums—they're uh, very interesting. We've got probably near a hundred already. Oh, um, really? People going in, and the results are fascinating. <laughs> is it different to ours? I'm not going to answer that. What I will say is, every single song on the list has now had at least three votes i think so wow you know all these songs are Wait, getting votes. every I'm... song on the list every song wow talks lost opportunity a dozen red roses <laughs> for my darling they're all getting votes guys that's what i love about queen fans that's what i love yes. about queen fans yeah this is the thing that i wanted to say is that i didn't quite manage to articulate on that on that particular uh uh recording which is even if these songs aren't given the same level of 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 exposure as their studio album tracks right they're still well-made songs queen always make the songs well 
Mm. They always mm. put the effort in before they allow it to be heard. And we kind of touched mm-hmm. on that, but yeah. I had a little thing to plug, actually. I've just been making a thing with a bunch of comedians, which uh, is jokes only uh, blank can tell. So I've been making these little five-minute shorts with phenomenal comedians. I've got jokes that only a Muslim can tell and jokes that only a lesbian can tell. And they're all fun and they're all on Channel 4 Digital. So if you're on Facebook... Uh, and you join the Channel 4 page, uh, you should be able to watch all of them there. They are full of funnies, um, and some wonderful people took part as well, so I'm quite happy about that. And I need the likes, because I want to make more of them, please. Um, In the meantime, speaking of likes, why don't you like us (laughs) on all the other podcast platforms? Give us a little review. Get the word of this pod out there. We're building. We are building. But we want our babe. Big! So, get us there! Um, that would be great. Uh, we love all of you out there, and we love all of you in here. So, thank you for this lovely look at Live Killers with Sue, Simon, and producer Sam and me, Ro. Goodbye! Bye! This has been The Queen Pod, a Seven Seas Films production. Edited and produced by me, Sam Easton. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and stay in touch by emailing queenpod at thequeenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and see you next time.